you know, through uh, um, someone emailed it to me and I was able to view it on YouTube. <clears throat> there have been a lot of ministries recently that are focused on empowering believers. And most of you know that that's been our vision since this ministry started. That we started out with a vision of the whole earth being filled with the knowledge <clears throat> of the glory of the Lord through believers. And, and uh, the believers ministry has been a very, very crucial part of this. And um, we see ministries spring up here and there that focus on equipping the saints. And that's always been one of our uh, focuses. Uh, you know, we always have that on our uh, used to have it on the buses and vans. I think we still do. Everything is just that the watchmen are called, or prophets are called, to equip the saints to the work of the ministry. And so <clears throat> most of us understand how important that is, um, that there aren't many people in the ministry that we have to beat up and get them to go witness to, or share Christ with someone. And so that's a blessing because, um, see, when you don't, when you're not limited in your atmosphere, you lose sight of the fact of how rare that is. And so it seems that there are people um, calling for that to happen in a very strong way now. We see some of the ministries, uh, one of them is the extreme prophetic ministry where they do street evangelism with signs and wonders. Um, Jeremy Gall is one person that we know that his ministry is is founded on the healing ministry of Jesus. There's the way he runs his meeting, uh, he never not has an altar call never not reaches out to the sick in his meetings. And <clears throat> they are having a school now where they train and equip believers. And hopefully people are able to continue that. You know, I, I wish they would have ongoing an ongoing school and not just try to release people. There's something about uh, that that doesn't line up scripturally. See, the early church was a stable church where they had people coming in and going out, coming in and going out, and you, there's no record that they got a certificate and said that they were done. You got me? And so that because we are, we are people who are called to a flock, we're called to a congregation, we're called to be under shepherds. We have a, a system, a kingdom system here that allows people to have a continual refreshing, that that would be a continual part of their lives and a continual part of their ministry to always have a base where they come and get fed and they come and get watered and they come and get their needs met and so forth and so on. And so, <clears throat> but I know people feel that they, they need to do that to give people a sense that they've accomplished and can go out, which is great. Um, but, you know, the, the, um, the real part of it is that you want people to make this a lifestyle, to make it easy for them to have an ongoing uh, lifestyle of ministering and ministering for Christ. Because many times people come from different churches and still attached to that place and they come in and get maybe learn what you have. But if they go out and that's not fed and that's not nourished, they're going to lose that. And so that's always the danger. In the early church, there were no denominations, no competition. So they always had a place to come where there was where one message and they were all on one accord but 
God knows what he's doing with his church and with his body. And so we'll have uh, opportunities to um, see what other people are doing as far as imparting and, and equipping believers to go out and do the work of the ministry. And so I found this uh, this uh, video that I'm going to share with you, but I just want to preface it by uh, sharing with you some of the things that God has spoken to us that we can expect that would come to pass. And I believe this is part of that coming to pass. So whenever prophets' ministries are validated, you have to know that, that you've heard from God, and let's stay in this vein here, because we've heard and there's evidence, and so let's continue on that road. So this is from 2010 about the year of the prophetic people. It says, in the day that King Uzziah died, my prophet Isaiah said, in response to a question that I asked when I said, who shall we send and who shall go for us? I remember our last conference, that was our, our, our message that we had um, the night that I ministered, and everybody there said, here I am, Lord, send me. And so this is the door that you open for God to begin to uh, use you, further equip you my encouragement to you is to continue to remind the lord that you're available for him through prayer and through preparing yourself uh, to do his work and the lord says this is that time again this is that time again where my eyes are roaming to and fro across the earth asking the same question of every heart in this day and age, it's not just the prophet that I would ask, but it's the sons and daughters <clears throat> that I have declared will prophesy, says the Spirit of God. And I'm looking for a people who will say, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm looking for a people who respond and want to be the one that I send to speak for me. For I need a people who will declare my word in the earth, says the Spirit of God. And I will find them wherever they are. I will seek them out and I'll find them. They will come from high and low, rich and poor. They will come from the four corners of the earth. They'll come from everywhere and anywhere with the one response that makes them acceptable to me. And that is, here am I, Lord, send me. So in this year, and this was 2010, will be the year of the prophetic people. Now we know that year doesn't mean just one calendar year. It means the beginning of an age or the beginning of an era. And it says, or the beginning of a release of an anointing that stays in the earth as long as we'll receive it. It will be a year I will release such a word and with such power in the mouths of those who will say, Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. That won't hesitate, won't look back, won't look at what they're leaving behind, and won't look at what the cost is. But they will respond quickly to the query of the heart of my spirit. And they will respond and say, Here am I, Lord, send me. It won't only be the pastor, it won't be the well-known, it won't be the ones we always look to to do all the work, says the Lord, but it will be the one who responds with a simple yes answer to my question in their hearts. And I will send them here and there and everywhere, and I will equip them, says the Lord, for I have been planning such equipment that the world has not yet seen. For I have people stationed, I have people in specific strategic places to release the word of the Lord because they have responded and said, whatever you say to do, Lord, I am here to do it. So I'm looking for a people, a prophetic people that I can equip, 
and I can put my weapons upon them. And yes, there are imitations. There are false things in the earth that would try to imitate the explosive power of my word, says the Spirit of God. For was there not someone apprehended recently in the city of Detroit who had equipment strapped to him ready to explode and cause damage? That is merely a counterfeit of what I have for my people. For I have a word that will explode and break chains and break barriers. I have a word that will come to you as you sit and just casually talk to someone. Their heart will be stirred and there will be a fire stirred up within them, says the Spirit of God. For I will strap a bomb unto my people and that is the word of the Lord. And when that word is released, it will do such damage to the devil's kingdom that he will not be able to find the pieces to put it back in repair for my anointing destroys every yoke and what i am planning on this earth is a double fold anointing and a double fold release of my word for one of my children will be meditating and beginning to understand what it is i am wanting them to do and that word will come to them and be like fire shut up in their bones and that will be explosion number one And that person will carry it just like the fake suicide bomber carries the explosives. And that person will know exactly where to release that word and to whom to release it. And it will come and it will explode and break barriers off that individual. And they will open their eyes and they will see my son in all of his glory. For I have stored it up for my people. And yes, you will be a terror. You will be a threat. But I will hide you in the cleft of the rock when you need to be hidden. And I will make it such that you will be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in the earth. And you will be known as the people who know their God and do exploits, says the Spirit of the living God. So my eye is looking. I am looking and I will knock on the door of every heart. And I am looking for those who will say, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. I am not looking to the preacher. I am not looking to the missionary. I'm not looking to someone else to do it, but I will but I will be the sent one this time. This is what we say in our hearts. And God will equip you with such glory and such majesty and such a word that people will know that you know that you know God of a truth, says the Lord. And yes, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of my glory. It will be filled with the knowledge of my glory. No more religion, no more playing games, no more false things, but the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit through the bride of Christ in this earth, says the Spirit of the living God. And know that I save the best for last, says the Spirit. I have saved the best for last. For one will wake up and one will feel a new stirring on the inside. And that's the giving over of that explosive word into your spirit. And you will know exactly where to carry it and where to release it. And when it comes forth, it will bring forth much powerful fruit. For you will see miracles at your own words, says the Spirit of God. You will see miracles at your own words. You will see miracles and you will know that you are the one who is sent and you are the one who is equipped and you are the one that is giving me glory, says the Spirit of the living God. And I am giving the Christian a new occupation. I am giving you the occupation of the one who makes a difference everywhere you go. No more to be persecuted and chased and hunted down and reviled and persecuted for no good reason, but you will be the one that will hold their head high and be sought after because people know you have the real thing says the spirit of the living God and I alone will do this I alone will do it and I will release my power and release my glory into 
the hearts of hungry people who have been faithful and who have been waiting and who know what time it is, says the Spirit of the living God. A prophetic people, a prophetic people with an explosive word that can do eternal good for humanity in the earth at this hour, <clears throat> says the Spirit of the living God. So that was what he gave us in 2010 and we saw different evidences of it. Uh, and, and we can also see greater evidence as well. But uh, we found a, a gentleman who is, um, was just saved, I think, in 2004 or something. He hasn't been saved for that many years. And uh, he goes around with a, a – he teaches at a, um, a school of ministry. I think it's in Pennsylvania. And uh, he uh, has a testimony of having been a drug addict for over 24 years. And uh, God saved him very dramatically. And so he talks about his preparation and and what goes on on the inside of him that enables him to do the works of God. So I thought it was was, uh, appropriate that we show this because here is more evidence of God um, doing what he says he's going to do and equipping people, just equipping believers who make themselves available um, let me see. Um, there was another prophecy we had in '99. Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> it's about a pure anointing for a pure heart, where God was talking about purifying the hearts of the people. And this is something you'll find this guy talks about quite a bit in his testimony and in his uh, um, preaching to this church. So this is one one of the things he's doing as a guest speaker in this church. Shannon, did we happen to have one of uh, a clip of him, uh, his street ministry too, or is it on here? Yeah, that'll be good. And then we'll get a chance to see uh, what his street ministry is like and what God did with somebody who just got saved uh, eight years ago. He's uh, rapidly... Uh, become um, a spokesperson for the end time ministry in the end time church. So it's um, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Can everybody see it? Okay. You need to move a little closer, Miss. Come on, move up with the baby. <laughs> you and your man. Move on up here, girl. It's about the third or fourth man she done brought up here. I don't know what's going on. Here, I'm going to put you over. Let me know where it'll be a good seat for you, Clyde. Yeah, you're right in front of the, right in front of the TV now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Turn this off. I'm already dead. So how can you kill me? I've already given everything. It's not about me. It's not about you. See, I'm so free from me that I'm free from you. Because you don't determine my day. No matter how you treat me, doesn't matter. Because I will hurt for you and not be hurt by you. 
I will love you regardless of what you say, of what you do. See, I've been, I, I live in the fire. The fire's not the issue. It's who's in there with you. Why is the fire the issue? The boys were in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, if you watch Veggie Tales. <clears throat> they were in the fire, man. Didn't matter. Daniel was really in the lion's den. Really, he was really there. He was really there. He didn't get eaten, and those boys didn't burn. But if it's about you, you will get eaten, and you will get burnt. What does it mean to really give up? What does it mean to really surrender? It means it's not about you. It's all about Him. And when you're about Him, He's all about you. What does it look like in life? I love what Ben was sharing last night. <clears throat> I love it, man. I said to Ben, I said, you know what's amazing? I said, you're preaching out of your life lived. You're preaching out of who you are because of what's been done through you and what God's done in your life, in the workplace, wherever. Man, it's like, it's like David <clears throat> was an amazing, mighty warrior, man. David, amazing man of God, man. A man after God's heart. He did some horrible stuff, but he was a man after God's heart. Right? But David was like going to be, he was going to be anointed king. <clears throat> right? And Saul came to like kill him, wanted him dead. He wanted him dead. He tried to kill him. He came into a cave. And he's looking for David. David's in the cave, cuts a piece of his robe. And he says, I could have had you, the Lord. I could have had you. But how could I? Oh my gosh, man. Dude, David killed the lion and the bear in the secret place in his life when no one was looking. Who are you when no one's looking? Who are you? Are you just... It's not about ministry, man. It's about your life. It's not about... I'm going to talk to you about faith because I don't know anything else. My whole life is a faith walk. It's a faith... It's faith, man. But it's not faith in me. It's faith in Him. It's important that no matter where we are in life, I was just talking to a gentleman this morning. I was just Ben was talking about the leaven that we can leaven our city, right? And and God spoke to me about leaven. You know, He's been always speaking to me about it, about that because a woman she hid, you know, she put a measure and it leavened the whole lump, three measures, you know, and it leavened. And God spoke to me about everybody where you're planted, no matter where you are, in your school, in your workplace. You leaven the whole lump by your life lived in the midst of adversity. Oh, so powerful. Because it, it's not about, look, it, it's not about being in a full-time ministry position. It's about slaying the lion and the bear everywhere you are in every part of life. Stop. Don't press to get into full-time ministry. Be full-time Jesus, man. Your job, your workplace, your school is your mission field. It's not about trying to get up here and preach from a pulpit. You don't need a pulpit. Your life is a pulpit. 
I'm a heart protector, man. I just want to protect the hearts. But it's about life change, man. It's about are you faithful in what you do and where you are and where you are in life. Everything you are. Everything you are. In, in high school, in, in college, in, in your workplace. Do people know about your Jesus by the way you rep His name? Do they see Christ in your life? Or they see just another face, man. I love Ben or uh, uh, Phil's video. I was like up there. I was like crying. I'm like, oh come on. It's not okay to be normal. It's not okay to be just so-so. It's not okay to just go to church, man. It's not okay. You should go to church. But a lot of people they come to church because they've been hurt by the world, so they come to church to be loved. So I come to, if, if I'm in that place, I come to a building to see if they'll love me. And it's twisted. You don't come to church to get loved. You come to church because you've become love. Or you'll go from church to church, from body to body, looking to find if these people really love. Are these, are these people really Christians? Well, no, no, they wouldn't love me. So they go, they don't appreciate me. And then God forbid you want to press to get into ministry. Because you have a need to be recognized, a need to be loved. You better understand that you've already been accepted by God. And you don't need the acceptance of others to be okay. Because it's impossible for you to reject me. I cannot be rejected by you. You can try, but I'm not approaching you for me. I don't come up to people for me. I come up to people from Him. I live from Him. I live in Him. I abide in Him. Come on, man. I'm passionate. Ben and I were talking about it this morning because Ben's like, he's like, look, he's even keel, dude. That's just Ben. That's how he's wired. I'm wired different. I'm explosive. I've always been explosive, but I was explosive for the devil my whole life. And I exploded and I hurt and I crushed people. And I, I just destroyed lives. When you come into the kingdom, you don't do what you feel like doing anymore. Before you come in, you only did what you felt like doing. You don't live by feelings in the kingdom. You live by faith. You walk and you live in faith. You don't live by how you feel. Or you will live and be pottered by the way that seems right to a man. Well, it feels good, I'll do it. Man, that got you in trouble. You don't do what feels good. You do what God says. Through Holy Spirit. Thump in your heart every day. Boom! You wake up every day. God, I thank you. Even if it's just a couple of minutes, man, where you can just spend and say, God, today I want to be more like you. I'm not seeking you, God, because I want to do miracles. I'm not seeking you because I want to prophesy. I'm not seeking you because I want to cast out devils. I'm seeking you so that I can become like you. Because prophecy happens. It's a byproduct of sonship. But without being a son and understanding you're a daughter, you're a son. You can do all the stuff. You can still heal the sick. You can still have faith to heal the sick, but live in condemnation. Not okay. God wants to raise up a bride that would live their life and be so powerfully awesome in character that it's unprecedented. That the wisdom that you carry in your workplace is so rocking that the people around you are intimidated by you, fear you because of the Christ in you, and are scared to say things about you because of your life lived. Not because 
you're a Christian, a good confessing Christian, and a good scripture quoter. It's not about your quotation of scripture. If your life doesn't line up to it, it doesn't matter what you say you worship. The world has heard it, man. They've heard it. They haven't seen it. They've heard it. Come on, man. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this. It says, it's amazing because it, it starts out and it talks about righteousness and condemnation. It talks about the ministry of Moses, that he was given the ministry of condemnation and it had glory. That's what it says. It had glory. And it was death written on stones. Condemna- the ministry of condemnation. And, and then we've been given a different ministry. It's the ministry of righteousness, which has much more glory. Mucho. Mega. Amazing glory. That's what we've got. And then it goes down through, and it talks. It says Moses' base, you know, was bailed. You know, and, and, and that's where the ministry, he came down off the mountain after getting the law. And it was like glorious. And his face shined because he spent time in the presence of God, and it was amazing. And the children were like, dude, cover your face. It's freaking us out, man. So he did. And then the glory faded. And he could take the veil off. It was gone. It says, the Lord is the Spirit. I think it's in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Liberty. And we all. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Without a veil on, we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing who we really are. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, man. Looking in the mirror, Christ in you, the hope of glory, being transformed into what? Into the original image that God created us to be in the beginning. Man, redemption, the gospel is so much more. So much more than just getting to heaven. The gospel gets the hell out of you. For real. The gospel gets heaven into you and pushes the hell out of you. So that you can actually be heaven on earth. The gospel is amazing. The gospel says, redemption says, that God has brought Todd back into the original image that he created me to be in the beginning, as if I never ate the tree. That's how God sees me. So when I look in a mirror, that's what I see. I don't have a veil on. I look in the mirror and behold the glory of the Lord, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh. And I'm being transformed into what? Into the original image that God created me to be in the beginning. And I'm moving from glory to glory, not from bummer to bummer. I'm moving from glory to glory. From one place of glory to another. That means in your school, man. You move from glory to glory. You move from glory to glory. In your school, where everybody's against you. And everything is against you. And odds are against you. And not as many people are Christians. And lots of people are wicked and they're doing twisted stuff. And on your job, there are people that are making jokes about people. And you're a Christian. You're a man of God. So you don't laugh with them. Oh, man. If that thing hits your heart and you're at work and people start making fun of people and you can't join in and you're so convicted of where your heart's at, you're so convicted that you couldn't laugh, that actually makes you cry because you can't believe 
Oh, I promise you, man, this is so possible and so amazing. See, I live this, man. I'm around people just like you. I'm not in some bubble. I am, but I'm not. I am in a God bubble, dude. Everywhere I go, it doesn't matter what people think. I'm me. God's created me in His image, and I realize who I am. I see who I am. And I hear the scripture, and I see it, and I do it. I hear it, and I do it. I read it, and I'm like, yes! And I do it. And if it doesn't work out, I do it again. And if it doesn't work out, I do it again. doesn't matter. Why? Because His Word dominates my experience. It doesn't matter what I've been through, or what I've gone through, or what people have done or haven't done. That's not my potter. I'm pottered from the inside. The rule of God's government is set up his camp inside of me, and he likes it. And he works itself with, through my flesh, through my body, with fear and trembling. Salvation gets in and works itself through your members with fear and trembling. And starts to shake everything. Starts to potter everything inside, where you're squeezed and molded by the Christ in you. And he molds you from the inside out. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to offer your body, your whole life, as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable before God. That means no parts out, all parts in. Every part of you is His. None of you is yours. Oh, this is really powerful, man. It'll change your life. Man, I was a drug addict my whole life. All I did was destroy people's lives every day. So all I did was manipulate and maneuver to get my way. And Jesus set me free from me. The gospel sets you free from you. So it's no longer about what everybody else is doing. It's no longer about what everybody else is thinking. It's no longer pointing the finger at other people saying they need this and they need that. It's about you becoming love and you becoming light. In such a way that everyone around you sees your life and they're so freaked out by you. That people, one by one, of family members come to Christ. One by one. Why? Not because of your good preach. Not because you share a good gospel. But because you live your life in such a way that the passion of your life is contagious. Come on, man. This is amazing. Where everyone around you gets wrecked by your life. Are you okay? Dude, this is about to get intense. It's already there. Because Christianity is a full contact sport. <laughs> really is. It's contagious, man. It is the fire of God. If I poured a gallon of gasoline on you and lit you on fire, would you really care about what other people thought? If I, I brought you up here, put gasoline on you and you could be as shy as you want. Are you really going to care at that point of what other people around you think? Guaranteed not. It's not going to matter. I'm looking foolish. It's not going to matter. You're burning. Let me ask you a question. What would it be like if on the day, on that day, the judgment day, the day, 
You know, we're not in a judgment day today. We're in a day of mercy. There will be a day. Today's not the day. So stop, stop pointing out. Stop. But there'll be a day. All judgment. What kind of judgment wasn't put on Jesus? Everything. On Calvary, right? So we're in a day of mercy. Where Jesus was given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people back to a father. Not imputing the world's trespasses against them. And we've been given the same ministry. Does that mean pastors and elders and prophets and teachers? Yeah. But does that mean the whole body of Christ? Yeah. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And how did Jesus reconcile people back to the Father? Through his own strength? Through his own words? Or did he do what he did through the Father? Did he say that he could do nothing of himself and what he did he saw the Father do? So what the Father did, the Son does in like manner. John five nineteen. Did he say that the words that I speak, I don't speak on my own authority, but it's the Father in me who does the works? Did he say, if you don't believe me through the things I say, at least believe me through the things I do, because it's the Father in me that's doing it? Did he say, or did he not? Or we just explain that stuff away and say, well, that was Jesus. Knock it off. Jesus modeled Christianity as a man that was submitted to God, that was filled and possessed by God. See, Revelation 12, 11 is very powerful. It talks about overcoming the enemy. It says that you have overcome them, little children. Everybody understands the first part of the scripture. Not everybody gets the last part. It says, you have overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of your testimony, and that you love not your own life unto death. You can't overcome the enemy by just the blood and by just the word of your testimony. Because selfishness will kill you. Selflessness is in righteousness. Selflessness is in the Father, is in the love of the Father. Jesus lived a selfless life. He laid it all down, man. And greater love hath no man than to lay down his own life. The greatest love of all is to lay it down. What does that mean? That means it's not about you. Come on, man. No joke. This thing's amazing. It's on. Oh, I promise. So good. I'm going to read to you. Thanks for keeping playing forever. Don't ever stop, man. It's awesome. It really helps. It's just amazing. Jesus. I was going to read a couple of sections of Scripture. You don't have to turn there. Just, I got it quicker. Philippians 3.10 says, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. And, and we, we all want the power of his resurrection. But we don't like the next one. It's the fellowship of his sufferings. We're like, oh no. I want the power of God. Not the fellowship of his sufferings. <laughs> Easy on that. I'm ready for the power of God. Come on. I want the power. Luke 14, 26, 27 says... If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. Whew. That's heavy, man. 
God. Hate? Hate? This is about love. And you're telling me that if I don't hate my mother, my father, my sister, my brothers, my wife, even my own kids, that's heavy, man. Like, God, you're a God of love. Why would you want me to hate? God spoke to me. I'll never forget the time he spoke to me. He said, you know, Todd, it's not that you despise them. It's that if you don't love me most, you can't love them more. Just as Abraham was told, you're going to sacrifice your son. The promise. The one that the promise is coming through. The one that the promise is coming through. The millions of people. Millions. Look at the stars of the sky, Abraham. I'm going to bless through you. Through your son. Coming. I'm going to bless you through him. All the nations. It's going to cover everything. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Abraham, I need you to kill your boy. What? Okay, Lord. That's a heavy. Puts the wood on his son's back. Carry this wood up. The Lord will provide sacrifice. We don't have a sacrifice, Dad. The Lord will provide. You're the one he's providing. Come on, and think of the walk. Three days journey. You guys stay here. We'll be back. He's got to kill his boy. This is powerful. He, he travels up the mountain to get there on their journey. Whole way. Boys carrying the wood strapped to his back. What was the conversation like on that walk? It was the last three days of his son's life. What was it like? What does it mean to deny yourself? What does it mean to hate? What does it mean to love less? What does it mean to deny yourself? Do you think that self tried to rise up in their, in their wall? I've never preached this before, so this is coming straight. What does it mean to walk three days with somebody that you know you've got to sacrifice? You know that the promise, the blessing, the everything is... I know that we've heard all kinds of stuff preached, but I'm sharing something that I'm hearing right now from God. I, I do better that way. Serious, man. Have no clue. Just go. So he gets to the top. It's like, let's make the altar. They make it out, man. Sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Pleasing. I beg you, brethren, to offer your life as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the world. Don't be molded and shaped by the world and the way the world works and functions. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you can prove the will of God. And that word is approve what the will of God is. So that you will know what the will of God is. So he built the altar. Now son, I know this is going to be hard, but get on it. That boy was able to overpower Abraham. He was to the age where he would have had the strength to rock his dad. No joke. What does it mean to lay down your life? What does it mean? What kind of a person... What kind of a person would you have to be to be the one that crawled up on the altar knowing that you were the sacrifice? What kind of a person, what kind of a person would it take before Jesus? Dude, that's crazy that Abraham 
was going to strap his son down. Dad, what are you doing? God told me, you got to go, son. What was going through? What was going through his son's mind? What was going through? What was Isaac thinking? Probably thinking like Mary, let it be done according to your word. Come on, Abraham. Think of what was going through. He's going to kill his son that every blessing is coming through. Come on, man, think with me. Just join in with me and just think about what is going to happen here. Don't do it! The son's like... What? There's a ram in the bush. There's your sacrifice. Come on, son. Help me get that ram. Oh my gosh. Dude, think with me. What does it look like to hate your own life? What does it look like to love God with everything you are? What does it look like to love God with your whole life, with everything you are? With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, with everything you are. What does it look like? What does it look like to full on surrender everything that you are, holding nothing back? Because God is really your provider. You know we say Jehovah Jireh, it's it's the Lord your provider. I understand that. But I looked because I was just in Israel. And I looked up the definition because we were trying to get into the Dome of the Rock, which is illegal, unless you're Muslim. I looked at it, and it's the promise, you know. And it's, what, is, what does Jehovah Jireh mean? You know that part of the definition is the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to it. He will see to it. So what does it look like to hate, to love not your own life unto death? Let me read another. You guys okay? Oh, so good. Jesus, come on. Mark 8, 34 through 38 says, when he called, oh yeah, after that cannot be my disciple in verse 27 of the first one in Luke. It says, whoever does not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. Mark 8, 34 says, when he called his people to himself, his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, and the gospel's sake will save it. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him the son of man will also be ashamed. It's just all over this. Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. 
Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is a man to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and his angels and reward each one according to his works. Luke 9, 23. He said to them all, If anyone denies, it desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and and himself is destroyed or lost? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his Father's glory and all his holy angels. It's everywhere, guys. It's the same thing. Philippians 1, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What I live on in the flesh means fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in my flesh is more needful for you. Being confident in this, knowing that I shall remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy of faith. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. (laughs) See, Paul, Paul had this understanding, man. He needed to lay everything that he was down on that altar, man. I just give up, surrender everything to God. Everything that he was. Because you can't hold on to you. You've got to just let him have you. You won't make it. You'll be crushed. You'll be destroyed. There's no way for you to make it holding on to you. Any part of you. There's no way. You can't make it. It's surrender or not. It's in or out. It's gather or scatter. It's for or against. There is no in between. None. You know, in my life, I, you know, as a drug addict, my all I did was hurt people, man. And uh, it just destroyed, man. Destroyed everyone. You know, and I've been through a lot with, you know, my family. Like, like I went to Teen Challenge, you know, and, and I come out and, I left the program 10 months early. I quit in everybody's eyes because all I did was I was a quitter. So like what you have to do when you position yourself that you're going after God is you have to never allow what people don't see to influence what you do see. You have to position your heart in such a way where it's full on surrender, where, where you've given everything you are to God and you are a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means that when it gets hot, you don't pull yourself off of that altar. The trial is okay. You can deal with it. You can handle it. God never allows you to be thumped on more than you can bear. And even though it seems like we can't bear it, the only reason we can't bear it is because you're still alive. Because the first part of the gospel is full on surrender. And any part of you that you hold back, that's the part that Satan loves to toy with and stomp on and mess with and destroy. 
And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in this, in this place where you can't handle it. And you're praying for Jesus' return because you can't handle life, man. Because your family is this and your people are this and your work is this. And nobody appreciates you. And nobody sees your value. Not realizing that you've already received your value from God. Where God says that you are accepted in the beloved. And it's impossible to be rejected. It's a full on thing. You either surrender or you don't. The process is getting you to surrender. Because when you give up, when you submit to God, the devil's already resisted. You have no strength to resist the devil. Think what you want. You can't. He will thump you and destroy you. Make it all about you and destroy you every day. Through everyone that's around you. And you'll be manipulated and pottered by experience and your surroundings. And people become your barometer of whether God loves you or not. If whether people treat you right or not. It's not about how you're treated. It's about the sufferings of God. It's about living for something other than yourself. Humility is choosing someone else. So I come out of Teen Challenge. And they come to my wedding. Because we get married... You know, I couldn't live with my wife, cause, or my, my girlfriend, because I, 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 my heart was changed. We lived together for nine years. My testimony is on Sid Roth. You can watch it. I, I can't share it all right now, but it's powerful. And we, I leave ten months early because of an encounter I have with Jesus. And everybody doubts me. There's only two people on the earth. Three. My daughter, my girlfriend, and Pastor Dan. Three people that believe that this is real. And everybody else. Everyone. Is against me. But it doesn't matter. Because God is for me. Not everybody's going to understand your change. People have heard the talk. They haven't seen the walk. Lots of people confess. My family man. Hardcore. On my wedding day. We invited them. You guys can come if you want. We're getting married. We're going to get married Sunday morning. You got to plan a wedding. What do you mean you're going to get married? You've got to plan this, you guys. Weddings are something to be planned. So, no, you guys don't understand. This is a covenant. What do you mean covenant? This is a wedding. This is a life. You are going to live. This is going to be for, for life. It's a, it's a shame that it really is for life. There's more divorce in the church than there is in the world. I don't care what your excuse is. How many times did you commit adultery on God? Did He divorce you? It's all about us, man. That needs so crushed out of us. I'm not being mean. I'm just going to preach it straight. I understand that lots of you are going through stuff. That has nothing to do with me preaching the truth. You let it cut you like a sword so that it changes the way you think. And you'll stop being the victim. We counsel people, we say, oh, you deserve better. Shame on you for saying that. Because you don't deserve better, you deserve hell. Come on, man, people counsel, oh, honey, he should, oh, you deserve better. He shouldn't have done that to you. Oh, I can't believe, are you serious? Really? He did that to you? Oh, that's grounds for divorce, you should just. Making her the victim. Instead of teaching her and sharing with her that she needs to pray, not because she's been hurt, but because she's hurting for him. What are we doing? 
Who do we really serve? Do we serve our emotions? Do we serve our feelings? Or do we really serve him? Come on, man. This is touchy-feely stuff. You start touching on this stuff, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, you don't know what I've been through. No, you don't know what he went through. You say what you want. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, will, I want to preach the truth, man, because I'm tired of seeing a bride that doesn't know who she is. We can actually walk in the power of God, faith, faith that we're free from us. It's where our life is radical. So, <laughs> my wedding day, my, my wife's mom's there crying. My, my, wife's, my wife's stepdad is there, angry man. Her mom's angry man. My family's angry. Everybody's angry. I destroyed their life. I hurt everybody. Her mom comes up to me after the wedding, and I said, I just want to thank you for coming. I can't believe she married you. I said, Mom, you'll see. You'll see. Please don't tell me about this Jesus. Not Christians. None of them. Stepdad, you're a loser, and you'll always be one. You don't fool me. At my wedding. You know what I said? You'll see. I love you. Get the blank away from that's so what he said at church. I said, oh, I love you, man. You'll see. Went down the line. Thanks for coming. I can't believe she married you. Oh, I love you, man. Bless you. So nice for you guys to be here. Thanks for celebrating this day with us. You don't understand. See, we didn't plan. We did it in between services. First and second service. The whole church is against me. My church that I went to. Because they all know the drugs. They all know the horrible stuff. They all know. Because for the five and a half months before, I went. Horrible addiction, man. I mean, I hurt everyone. I destroyed everyone's life, man. I manipulated. I maneuvered. I asked for money, for drugs. I asked for... I stole from everyone in my family. Everyone. And here's my wife. Was an atheist when I went to Team Challenge. I was a Christian in two months when I came out. I destroyed her life for nine years. All I did was hurt. She knew that she was looking at a brand new man. God supernaturally redeemed it. She told her mom, Mom, you don't understand. He's a different man. One that I've never seen before. My daughter, I got a brand new dad. All I did, all my daughter heard was, You're a loser, a liar, a thief, a you can't hold a job. You quit everything. You're just like your father. All that stuff. It's all she heard. My daughter is 14 now. I want to tell you something. Righteousness is so powerful. My daughter has zero memory of drug addiction. Zero memory of one, your dad's a loser. He's a liar. He's a thief. She doesn't remember one thing. See, we like to say, well, that, well she's going to have to deal with it because... She's just mental blocking it. You're wrong, and the gospel's right. You can say what you want, man. The gospel is supernatural. Supernatural. He races, rips it out, because a life lived is so amazing that you can't even picture that in a life. That over a period of time, all of your family changes. Every one of them. Because I've watched it. <laughs> Oh, I go to the family reunions, you know, and they're all like freaked out by my life, man. They're all persecuting me and saying the meanest of things. I just love them. 
every time. Never once, never once have I responded to my family in evil or wickedness. Not one time to any of them, not ever. <laughs> and it speaks so loud because they don't know why you're not rattled by anything. And their, their lives are so freaked out by your very existence that one by one they bow. <laughs> or I can look at them and say, you're going to be on my team. No, I'm not. You're a freak. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, what is faith? What is faith? The substance. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things that you don't yet see. God spoke and it was. It's time that we rise up and be a declaring bride. One that believes that she is who God says she is. One that believes she's blameless. One that believes she's spotless. One that believes that she can destroy hell for a living. That our destination is not. Our mission is destroying hell. Our destination is to get to heaven. But our destination should not be confused with our mission. Because we should live as according to the Lord's model prayer. That your will be done on this earth the same as it is in heaven. That we would look like it's heaven on earth everywhere we go. Regardless of our circumstance, regardless of the world around us. That it does not matter what's around us. Jesus said, I want to give you peace, guys. All of you who are heavy laden and burdened and weighed down. Come to me and I will give you peace. All of you, come to me and I'll give you peace. My burden is light and my yoke is easy. You are yoked like oxen, yoked together, treading grain. You're yoked to Jesus. And it's easy. And you tread the devil. Listen, man. This thing is a call to war. It's a call to the reality of who we really are. It's a call to who we really are. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what your family thinks. It doesn't matter what your job thinks, what your employers think, what your school thinks. It doesn't matter what the superintendent thinks of your school. Why? Jesus is bigger than all that stuff. It's okay. It's okay if the baby cries. It's alright. You guys are okay. Don't be distracted. It'll stop. Jesus is amazing, guys. So my family was so intimidated by my life. So freaked out by me. So freaked out. But I want to share something. Because when you walk in front of people, they're looking at you and wondering. And this is going to grip your heart, man. And we're going to pray. Because it's very important that you understand what life you're living and where you are right now. Conviction is good. Holy Spirit brings conviction. He convicts the heart in a place where we're like, I'm tired of living this way. I really want this. I really want this. God is like making decisions in people's hearts about God really wanting this. About you really wanting what God wants. And God wants you to influence your family, wants to influence your culture, wants to influence your school, wants to influence like everyone around you to where your family reunions aren't a bummer anymore, where they're powerful in God, where you're not influenced by what your family thinks or what your family says. It's the power of God.
Why are we not ashamed of this gospel? It says it in Romans 1.16. Pay attention. Romans 1.16 says this. For I am not ashamed of this gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. First for the Jew and then for the Greek. Romans 1.17. For in it. In what? In the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God. Since I have tonight, I'm probably going to go into righteousness and probably going to pound it, man. Pound redemption. Pound righteousness. Pound the finished work. I've had some people tell me, uh, actually all over the place, Todd, not everybody believes like you believe. And I said, that's a shame. Because all it is is believing what God says about me. Well, not everybody believes that, Todd. I actually had a minister get so angry at me. So mad. Because one of her people she's been dealing with for three years, four years, three and a half years, was told that she went home and got, she was free after a night she came. And her pastor came with her. And she's totally free. I tried to tell my pastor about what you shared last night. I am so free. I wanted her to understand why I'm free. She goes, and I told her it's about righteousness. It's about the finished work. It's the finished. It's finished. She goes, I'm so thankful I'm free. Pastor jumps in, gets in front of her. She goes, yeah, I wasn't here last night. Have you ever heard of this and this? And she started to talk to me about these programs and these ministry things. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of this, this well-known church, she said. I said, yeah, of course, I'm friends with people there. She goes, well, not everybody believes the way you believe, Todd. Angry. I said, what do you mean? Not everybody believes that it's that simple, that it's just that easy. I said, whoa. I said, you're telling me that we don't need faith, that we need your program to be free? That's sin. <sighs> oh, I confront that stuff because it's the devil. It's not your program. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's demonic. That means that people need you in order to be free. What is that? You're not Jesus, dude. He's Jesus. As a counselor, you don't counsel people to depend on you in order to be free. You bring them to relationship with Holy Spirit because they cannot depend on you. And you're actually getting your, getting your strength from what people think about you. Oh, it's so, so manipulative. It's so destroying of people. It's so the leaven of the Pharisees. Three leavens. Pharisees, Herod, kingdom. And I said, all I did was preach the finished work of the cross. You know, Paul said, I wouldn't dare boast in anything. Except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And He knew everything. He was really smart. Brilliant. He said, I count it all as dung. Poop. For the sake of knowing Him. Oh, dude. This is really important. I am very, very concerned. Because there are a lot of things out there that are outside of the finished work. Trying to get people to a place of freedom. When it's the cross that it is finished. It is the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified that frees people from themselves. 
when they find out that everything against them was tacked on a tree, that the handwriting of requirements was wiped out, that he made a public spectacle of the devil, a laughing stock of the principalities, publicly on a tree, and you realize what the tree really did, you will be free. Because freedom is in the cross. Freedom is in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Come on. He was crucified because of our offenses. The first punch, wham! Second punch, raised for our justification. Bam! Second punch, one-two punch that knocked the devil down.